Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 233 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I am your co-host Mark Blankenship and with me today, well, I'm actually closer to Broadway than she is, but we're still there together spiritually, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello. Hello. And Sarah, you have picked today's tune. What have you chosen? I have selected George Benson's On Broadway. I really was struggling with which of George Benson's charting hits to pick. But in the end, you know, this podcast is what it is. You are who you are. I am who I am. And what I am is someone who has like a stated sort of like black letter law, quote, loathing of musicals, but who also has seen all that jazz in the theater more than once (laughs) because I love it. And um, I also love George Benson's on Broadway for a lot of reasons. This is a pretty long clip, but wrestling it down to even close to a minute, like there, there is terrain in this song. We're going to talk about it, but uh, here's a little bit from earlier in the song on Broadway. And you ain't had enough to be The glitter of right off and who's coming at us with a key change i'm ready (laughs) this song uh, this is such a good fucking song first of all it's like over five minutes long i i sometimes forget that there's this whole part towards the end where there's like even another key change and a bunch (laughs) of like piano and scatting which are two things that i should be like ew no but The song has done such a good job in the opening minute and a half or two minutes of giving you this like aural montage projected into like the sort of visual, your visual imagination of um, all the beautiful, shitty, beautifully shitty parts of Broadway that mean that we love that genre and the theater and that actual geographical area of New York City like it's a family member that ate paint as a child like you could just picture like all these sweaty dancers falling out of line on Thursday morning rehearsal 
There's a lighting gal in her patchwork skirt up on a ladder, like screaming at somebody. There's ghost lights. There's people on fire escapes smoking and rehearsing. It's all that jazz. It's a chorus line. It's being in the back of a cab with no air conditioning in the middle of July. And the vocal is intense. He is feeling every single part of this story, which is about a guy who's like, I'm going to play for Broadway shows, but I haven't eaten anything except a saltine I found at the corner of 48th and 8th Avenue two days ago. Yeah, I can't wait to get my dream fulfilled. And if I survive long enough to reach that day. Yeah. If I haven't, you know, waste it like I'm cutting new notches in my belt at but it's such a like fantastic, inviting, ambitious, mysterious opening rhythm line that is deceptively simple. But like it starts and you hear crowd noise, which is such a smart thing to put in it that it's like, oh, yeah, we're all we're all going to do this together. Like you all in this room know this story intimately. Yes. And it's it also so really good. the crowd noise in this song is such a wonderful irony considering it's a song about someone who doesn't have an audience yeah <laughs> i love that yeah but it's like where is this crowd in uh in at the abingdon where where you paid like you rented the room so that you would have an audience and now you can't afford a, some soup so uh, you've heard <laughs> yeah so, so i've heard like a chock full of nuts is right there but unless you find a dollar on the ground no soup for you um are, are you on the corner? Are you like down the street from the naked cowboy? Where, like, how is this happening? And when this came out in the late 70s, like, <laughs> to even want to go to Broadway, literally or figuratively, is like, <laughs> fucking strap it on, everybody, because <laughs> toothless junkies are going to try to bite your shit, by which I mean actually try to bite you. So this song was written by two genius songwriting teams working together. Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil and Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. So that's the crowd then? Yeah, I <laughs> guess them. so. I guess it's just all of the songwriters Just them clapping. chatting while he does his take? Okay, got it. <laughs> and then I actually had forgotten that in 1963, the Drifters had a top 10 hit with this song. The, oh, shit. I forgot that too. Yeah, they reached number nine in 1963. But in the same way that Gladys Knight and the Pips had a hit version of I Heard It Through the Grapevine before Marvin Gaye, it doesn't matter now no. because George Benson's version is the version of this song. It's the one I think of. And when you see the musical Smokey Joe's Cafe, which is a jukebox musical of the songs of Lieber and Stoller, let me assure you that the man who sings uh, this song in that show will be doing the George Benson version. Yeah, sure. Why wouldn't you? I am so glad in the clip that you pulled that we get to hear the way he sings the blues because God. that's one of the f- greatest vocal interpretation moments of the 70s if you ask me there is a novella just in there that it's like like he has the blues but he is also sort of like but um he's referring to the blues as a genre he's enjoying not all that secretly his ability to get so much blues into the word blues Mm mm-hmm And there's this irony that like, you know, I have the blues because I'm doing all of this with the word blues and nobody is hearing it. It is is the narrator's take. But then 
like how many fucking people have heard this song over the course of their lives because it was titled on Broadway. So it's absolutely going to be one of those songs like time of your life that it's like this song is never going to be far from anyone's ears ever again. Well, if ever there is a group of college students with a final performance to do in their musical theater program, this song shall live. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and I don't know how much you know about George Benson as a person. I didn't really know that much until preparing for this episode. But are you aware of his biography at all? Not really. So in a happy and unusual turn of events, George Benson seems like he's just been okay for his whole life <laughs> i was gonna he's say been, i know he like did he die this morning because i i thought no. he was okay he's been married to the same woman since 1962 damn they lived at least uh, for a while in englewood new jersey Aww. he had a really successful career as a jazz guitarist before he ever even got famous as a singer he was a sideman. the fact that he is good enough as a guitarist to be a somewhat of a legend in the jazz guitar circles. And I understand as I understand it, Uh but who can also sing like this mind blowing to me. Yeah. And my favorite fun fact, he recorded the original version of the greatest love of all. Huh? Because that song was written for a Muhammad Ali movie called the greatest. That's right. A fictional film in which Muhammad Ali plays himself because why not? Mm -hmm. And I just love that when George Benson eventually released a greatest hits album, he called it the greatest hits of all. (laughs) (laughs) And he did have a bunch like this was someone who in the early 80s was like he was in your ear holes a lot. Like he wasn't necessarily trouncing them all big and small with number ones. But like there he was on like if you go to the top 100 for 1982, he's on there several times. And one, yeah. at least one of the songs had been annoying us for most of the prior year or so as well. So, but then I was like, should I, like, is this one of those guys where we want to talk about the 80s hit in terms of like the evolution from the 70s and like, who were the people that managed to escape the 70s? And like, we keep meaning to talk about the who's eminence front, but then we never do because... It's a terrible song and it's annoying, but it's also the best exemplar of this phenomenon. But in the end, I came back to like, why wouldn't we just talk about on Broadway? And if it weren't as good as it is, I think it would still be as ubiquitous as it is, probably. And he, as an artist of stature in various genres for a while before this was recorded had no reason to make it as good as it is right but he, he didn't did. have to try that he could have rod stewarded it he didn't have to try this hard yeah and i i think it's also maybe i just have this in mind because um we were talking last time about lenny kravitz and about um black men and rock guitarists and the sort of d- danger brand that that goes with that um but there is something that speaks to me about that lyric um because i can you know because i can play this here guitar and that feeling maybe that a uh 
musician of color is not going to get the chances mm. on the bro- on the Broadway of the 60s and 70s or maybe even today. I don't know how Broadway is is doing with trying to be more diverse, but uh, you know. I will say that right now as we record this, uh there are a record number of plays written by black authors that will premiere in the next Broadway season. So there, there are steps being made. Right. Which is nice. Right. But I I think that that's still, um, I think there's still that resonance of like, you know, everyone, I think the dream of coming to Broadway sort of has the same shapes for everyone, but where you slot into that dream in reality is not, there aren't mm. as many shapes available for artists of color or there weren't. Right. So there's that. There's that. Well, certainly in the 70s. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. But I mean, here we are again at a song that is immediately appealing, well-crafted, well-performed. and the, But there is still that darkness to it like i can't not weave in my chair i can't not sing along i there is you know footage of me singing along to this which i will probably cut out for the safety of everybody but i mean but like it's it's really an achievement and it gets a lot in there and every time it ends i'm like i can listen to that again and then like 20 minutes later i'm just still listening to it <laughs> finding well, it, stuff I thought it was as I was preparing for this episode, it occurred to me, this is a song that's dark, yet was also in the Sweat into the Oldies video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so fascinating, though, that, like, it's two, like, Hall of Fame songwriting pairs. Like, that that should have resulted in a just dog's breakfast. But it, yeah, it didn't. Right. Like, everything about it that's extra, like, there are multiple key changes it's long there's crowd noise in in some versions of it there's like taxis honking you're like okay but it it works somehow it you'd think it would just be like you know this winchester house of a composition that it's like all right everybody we'll record it but don't expect anything right but it it works and the the lyrics to this song are also really good yeah really can picture the story of the narrator in this song. Yeah. yeah. Well, for those of you who are wondering about some of George Benson's other hits, I would recommend the following. Sarah, feel free to add to this list. Okay. Along with On Broadway, in 1976, he won a Grammy for Record of the Year for a great song called This Masquerade. In 1980, I think this might have been one of the songs that you were referencing. He has the disco-tastic, just give me the night... <laughs> baining, baining. Yeah, that one you you're like I I want to hate that because it was just everywhere, but that's another one where it's like clever title, like that's that's going to get played. That's going to yep. that's going to get you over the New Year's Eve hump and into the next year's chart. Good good job. And there there are other hits that he had, but those are the three that I feel like are the key George Benson hits. Mhm. Agree. Well, greatest hits of all Whitney Houston, you missed your opportunity. You you sure did. Um, well, I'm I'm delighted to hear that George Benson, despite being a, a noted craftsman, is like fine. 
yeah, the 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 sadness stayed in the music and yeah. didn't leach over into his life, which is it's, a happy and rare thing. Yeah, it's like when whatever Godfather is on TV and you're like, whatever happened to John Cazette? Oh, right. Oh. Like, why doesn't he do more stuff? Well, yeah. <laughs> that'd be a neat, yeah. neat trick if he did. But uh, yeah, every now and then it's nice that like somebody is extremely good at this pop culture job and is not also like immolating <laughs> in front of us or did in 1978. So good job, Mr. Benson. And uh, we'll see you on the flip. You got me down. You got me down Can't afford to wait another day And I'm not about to give it all away again Not for anyone Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at MarkandSarahTalkAboutSongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah with an H, TalkAboutSongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Mastass. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.